Throughout this episode, you'll hear occasional dynamically placed advertisements as well as host-read ads by me promoting the work of my sponsors, similar to what you'd experience when you're binging your favorite YouTube content. If you find the ads disruptive, consider joining my community on Patreon. Premium submarines receive full-length ad-free episodes, hundreds of hours of bonus content, and the ability to connect and chat with other listeners. To learn more, visit patreon.com slash backfromtheborderline. This previously recorded episode of Back from the Borderline may contain mentions of social links or initiatives I took part in that are no longer active or relevant. To follow the podcast on Instagram, connect with me directly, or support the work I'm doing, visit backfromtheborderline.com. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. Today, I'm doing an episode that I never thought I would be doing. If you would have told me before I started this podcast that I would be doing an episode on Star Wars slash Darth Vader slash Anakin Skywalker, I'm not sure I would have believed you, mainly because most of the content out there about Star Wars is by super fans of the series. I have nothing against Star Wars, but I'm not a super fan. And by that, I mean, I have not seen all the movies. I've seen some of them. The ones I've seen, I've very much enjoyed. This is a non-Star Wars super fans take an analysis on the character Darth Vader slash Anakin Skywalker. They're the same person for those of you who don't already know that as it relates to borderline personality disorder. Character analyses like this can be extremely useful in educating the general public and medical students about BPD symptoms. So if this sounds like something that would interest you, stick around to the end of the episode because today we're going to be doing a deep dive on Anakin Skywalker and explain how and why he meets the criteria for borderline personality disorder not only are these findings interesting as hell and entertaining, this analysis may partly explain the commercial success of the Star Wars movies in general, especially among adolescents. So without further ado, let's dive in and talk about our BFF, Dorothy. Yes, I just called him Dorothy. I can already hear the Star Wars fans lighting up the fire to burn me on. Seriously, no shade to Star Wars, no shade to Darth. I'm just trying to have fun here. All right, let's do it. You have entered back from the borderline, where we walk willingly into the darkness within our minds and return home to ourselves transformed. I'm your host, Molly. I spent most of my life numbing the pain and emptiness inside me, unaware that my self-sabotaging behaviors and thoughts were destroying my ability to connect with myself and other people. One day, I decided I was sick enough of my own bullshit to hear life calling, telling me it was time for a change, and I decided to answer that call. On this podcast, We'll learn that when we see ourselves as the hero of our own journey, it gives us the best chance at finding our inner truth and integrity. Together, we'll learn to hold complex feelings, expand our consciousness and self-awareness while making meaning of our suffering. 
Are you ready to find out who you are underneath the weight of everything that's been keeping you stuck? If the answer is yes, follow me down the rabbit hole of psychological and spiritual growth. I'm so glad you're here. And with that, let's dive straight in to the episode. Darth Vader is a fictional character in the Star Wars franchise. The character is primarily the antagonist in the original Star Wars trilogy, and then as Anakin Skywalker, his name before he becomes Darth Vader is a primary protagonist in the prequel trilogy. Star Wars creator George Lucas has collectively referred to the first six episodic films of the Star Wars franchise as the tragedy of Darth Vader. The Star Wars character of Darth Vader is perhaps the most widely known villain in our recent pop culture, and his ominous presence dominates all six episodes of the Star Wars saga with a hint of martyr status creeping into the seventh installment of the series. Regardless of how he appears, what makes Darth Vader such an infamous villain is that he wasn't always evil. Those who know his fall from grace see a good, altruistic man performing countless acts of heroism. Yet in his tortured obsession with protecting the ones he loves most, he's seduced and consumed by evil. His legend has grown over time as toys, films, books, video games, and TV shows have revealed his story as the ultimate Dark Lord of the Sith. Originally a slave on Tatooine, before he becomes Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker is a Jedi prophesied to bring balance to the Force. Anakin is lured to the dark side of the Force by Palpatine, and I apologize already if I'm butchering some of these names, I'm doing my best. But Darth slash Anakin is lured to the dark side of the Force by Palpatine and becomes a Sith Lord, assuming the title Darth Vader. After a lightsaber battle with his former mentor, Obi-Wan Kenobi, on Mustafar, in which he is severely injured, Vader is transformed into a cyborg. He then serves the Galactic Empire as its chief enforcer, Vader ultimately redeems himself by saving his son, Luke Skywalker, and killing Palpatine, sacrificing his own life in the process. He is also the secret husband of Padme Amidala, biological father of Princess Leia, and maternal grandfather of Kylo Ren. Darth Vader is easily one of the most iconic villains in popular culture. He's been listed among the greatest villains and fictional characters ever. The American Film Institute listed him as the third greatest movie villain in cinema history on 100 Years, 100 Heroes and Villains, only behind Hannibal Lecter and Norman Bates. His role as a tragic hero in the saga was also met with positive reviews. We're going to be digging much more deeply into the tragic hero archetype a little bit later on in this episode. Now, let's dig into the creation and development of the character Darth Vader. Various combinations of names for the character were built upon the phrase dark water. George Lucas is quoted as saying he, quote, 
added lots of last names, Vader's, Wilson's, and Smith's, and just came up with the combination of Darth and Vader. End quote. After the release of The Empire Strikes Back in 1980, George Lucas said the name Vader was based upon the German-Dutch language homophone Vater or Vader, meaning father, making the name representative of a, quote, dark father, end quote. Other words which may have inspired the name are death and invader, as well as the name of a high school upperclassman of Lucas's, Gary Vader. Now let's dig into the concept and writing behind the character of Darth Vader. After the success of the original Star Wars in 1977, creator George Lucas hired science fiction author Lee Brackett to write the sequel with him. They held story conferences, and by late November in 1977, George Lucas had produced a handwritten treatment. In the first draft that Brackett would write from this, Luke's father appears as a ghost to instruct Luke. George Lucas was disappointed with the script, but Brackett died of cancer before he could discuss it with her. With no writer available, Lucas wrote the next draft himself. In this draft, dated April 1st, 1978, he made use of a new plot twist, Vader claiming to be Luke's father. According to Lucas, he found this draft enjoyable to write, as opposed to the year-long struggles he experienced writing the first film. Lucas has said that he knew Vader was Luke's father while writing the first film, though the relationship is not evidenced before said draft of The Empire Strikes Back. The new plot element of Darth being Luke's father had drastic effects on the series. Author Michael Kraminsky argues in The Secret History of Star Wars that it's unlikely that the plot point had ever seriously been considered or even conceived before 1978, and said that the first film was clearly operating under a storyline where Vader was a separate character from Luke's father. After writing the second and third drafts in which the plot point was introduced, Lucas reviewed the new backstory he had created. Anakin had been Obi-Wan Kenobi's brilliant student and had a child named Luke, but was swayed to the dark side by Palpatine. Anakin battled Obi-Wan on a volcano and was badly wounded, but was then reborn as Darth Vader. Meanwhile, Obi-Wan hid Luke on Tatooine while the Galactic Republic became the tyrannical Galactic Empire, and Vader systematically hunted down and killed the Jedi. This change in character would provide a springboard to the tragedy of Darth Vader storyline that underlies the prequel trilogy. After deciding to create the prequel trilogy, George Lucas indicated that the story arc would be a tragic one, depicting Anakin's fall to the dark side. He also saw that the prequels could form the beginning of one long story that started with Anakin's childhood and ended with his death. This was the final step towards turning the film series into a saga. For the first prequel, Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, which was released in 1999, Lucas made Anakin nine years old to make the character's separation from his mother even more poignant. Movie trailers focused on Anakin and a one-sheet poster showing him casting Vader's shadow informed otherwise unknowing audiences of the character's eventual fate. 
The movie ultimately achieved a primary goal of introducing audiences to Anakin, as well as introducing the concept that he is the chosen one of an ancient Jedi prophecy destined to bring balance to the Force. Lucas states in an interview recorded around the time of the third prequel, Revenge of the Sith, released in 2009, that, quote, Anakin is the chosen one. Even when Anakin turns into Darth Vader, he is still the chosen one. Now let's dive into the different portrayals of Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader. George Lucas chose to have a different actor be the voice of Vader. This was due to the fact that the original body actor, is that how you say that? The character who played the actual body in the suit of Darth Vader on the movies had a strong West Country English accent, which led the rest of the cast to affectionately and comedically refer to him as Darth Farmer, which I think is pretty hilarious. So you can get an idea of what a West Country English accent sounds like. I found a video on YouTube called West Country Yap that has some anecdotal conversations with people in the UK that have a West Country accent. So here's what a West Country accent sounds like. I've got this theory in life that uh, now we're getting into bed cold to get warm. You're going to be warm when you get in. You take the warm thing with you, you know. You either go for a long walk or you stand by a fire, get hot and go in. I have such a fondness in my heart for the different accents across the UK. I lived in the UK for a few years and that's a story for another day. But after listening to that, you can understand why George Lucas wanted to source a more ominous quintessential villain voice for Darth Vader. David Prowse, the body actor for Darth Vader, the one with the West Country English accent, was chosen for this role because he was a bodybuilder. He had a powerful physical presence that translated really well on screen. George Lucas originally intended for Orson Welles to voice Darth Vader, but after deciding that Wells's voice would be too recognizable, he decided to cast the lesser-known James Earl Jones instead. James Earl Jones' voice is the recognizable, iconic voice that we hear and associate with Darth Vader today. No, I am your father. I think you can understand why George Lucas decided that James Earl Jones had the perfect voice for Darth Vader. James Earl Jones initially felt his contributions to the Star Wars films were too small to even warrant recognition, and his role was actually uncredited at his request until the release of Return of the Jedi in 1983. When Jones was specifically asked if he had supplied Vader's voice for Revenge of the Sith, either newly or from a previous recording, Jones answered, quote, you'd have to ask Lucas about that. I don't know, end quote. In 1977, a writer for the New Journal and Guide criticized the lack of racial diversity in the original Star Wars film, pointing out that, quote, the force of evil 
is dressed in all black and has the voice of a black man, end quote. George Lucas was reportedly very hurt at these accusations, but they're worth acknowledging nonetheless. Now for my favorite part. Let's talk about the mythology and symbology behind the character Anakin Skywalker slash Darth Vader. As the quote chosen one in the story's mythology, Anakin Skywalker's higher calling was to bring balance to the Force and restore peace to the galaxy from the warring religions of Jedi, the light side, and the Sith, the dark side. Seduced by promises of power to fulfill a destiny far beyond the scope of his gifts, Anakin chooses a path that departs from his socialization and training in the culture in which he was raised. To him, that new choice was not wrong, but right and necessary to be in accordance with his new belief system. As this plays out, Anakin must transcend the order from Jedi to Sith and back again to fully restore the balance. This phenomenon was a complicated experiment in temptation, morality, and justice. Vader had a profound impression on the public consciousness, and although it was different for everyone, he was an interesting character to dissect. His mask symbolized his separation from humanity, a popular horror movie device with mythological roots going back to the masks of the pharaohs in Egypt. The suit and helmet recalled the nobility of the knights or samurai who were bound to codes of honor. The idea of Vader and where he fit into the fans' minds elevated him to cult status before anyone had even seen the film in 1977. If we're thinking about this through the lens of mythology, Anakin Skywalker is known as what's called the tragic hero archetype. The concept of the tragic hero first appeared in ancient Greek tragedies, such as those written by Greek philosopher Aristotle. The idea of the tragic hero in Aristotle's time goes back as far as 384 BC to 322 BC. In other words, this shit has been around a long time. Typically, the tragic hero is a king or leader of high status who has an imperfection in his character that results in his downfall. Ultimately, the tragic hero reaches a state of catharsis, which is an emotional breakdown or purification, which typically draws sympathy from the audience. According to Aristotle, the tragic hero must embody four main traits. One, nobleness or wisdom by virtue of birth. Hamartia, a tragic flaw. Parapatea or a reversal of fortune resulting from the tragic flaw, and lastly, number four, catharsis, an emotional breakdown and sometimes redemption. So why is Anakin Skywalker considered a tragic hero? Let's walk through each of these main traits. One, nobleness or wisdom. Ever since Anakin Skywalker was a young slave boy on the desert world Tatooine, he wanted to help people. He built a protocol droid, C-3PO, with spare parts to help his mother with work around the house. He risked his life in the dangerous Bunta Eve Padres. 
I'm sorry if I'm butchering these names, guys, in order to help a group of outlanders led by Jedi Master Kui Gon Jin. All in all, Skywalker had great ambitions to help make the universe a better place, and when Anakin Skywalker was given the rare chance to leave his forsaken homeland and train to become a Jedi, a protector of peace in the galaxy himself, his dreams seemed as attainable as ever. So two is the tragic flaw. Anakin's charisma and natural force ability made him a strong candidate for being a future Jedi leader and perhaps one of the most powerful and influential beings in the galaxy. But the Jedi restrained him because they saw hints of a fatal flaw in Anakin. What was that fatal flaw? Fear. Anakin feared for the safety of his mentor, Obi-Wan Kenobi, his wife, Padme Amidala, and also the clone troopers placed under his command. Number three, the reversal of fortune. As a military leader in the height of the war, Anakin hated and feared seeing his friends and subordinates die. As a result of the Jedi Council's distrust in Skywalker, coupled with the death of his wife, Padme Amidala, he became increasingly angry and jaded by his grief and passion. Skywalker assumed the name Darth Vader and did, in fact, become one of the most powerful beings in the universe, but not as a keeper of the peace. Rather, ironically, he embodied the evil and corruption he had always vowed to fight. Lastly, and number four, catharsis and redemption. Anakin Skywalker realized his evil doings in Return of the Jedi when, weak and injured from fighting his Jedi son Luke Skywalker, Anakin saved his son's life from certain death at the hands of Anakin's corrupt master, Emperor Palpatine. In Attack of the Clones, Anakin Skywalker feels, quote, smothered by Obi-Wan Kenobi and is incapable of controlling his own life. By Revenge of the Sith, however, his, quote, father-son friction with his master has matured into a more equal brotherly relationship. Once he becomes Darth Vader, each evil act he commits shatters any hope or connection towards his previous life, which makes it harder for him to return to the light. But he ultimately escapes the dark side and redeems himself by sacrificing his own life to save his son, Luke Skywalker, and killing the Emperor in Return of the Jedi. All of this has laid the groundwork and backstory for what you've all been waiting for, an exploration into whether or not Anakin Skywalker could have or would have been diagnosed with BPD if he were a human being in real life. Psychiatrists have considered Vader to be a useful example for explaining borderline personality disorder to medical students. Eric Bowie, a psychiatrist at the University of Toulouse Hospital, argued at the 2007 American Psychiatric Association convention that Anakin Skywalker meets six of the nine diagnostic criteria for borderline personality disorder, one more than necessary for a formal diagnosis. He and a colleague, Rachel Rogers, published their findings in a 2010 letter to the editor of the Journal of Psychiatry Research. Bui says he found Anakin Skywalker a useful example to explain BPD to medical students. In particular, 
Bowie points to Anakin's abandonment issues and uncertainty over his identity. Anakin's mass murders of the Tusken Raiders in Attack of the Clones and the Young Jedi in Revenge of the Sith count as two dissociative episodes, fulfilling another criterion. Bowie hoped his paper would help raise awareness of the disorder, especially among teenagers. The tragic hero of the Star Wars prequels displays patterns of instability and impulsivity in the second and third films that make him an obvious candidate for BPD, according to French psychiatrists and psychologists. The researchers also suspect the traits exhibited by Skywalker might make him more appealing and relatable to teen fans, given that teens also display certain characteristics of borderline personality disorder. Quote, I had watched the two prequel movies, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, and it was during my residency in psychiatry while trying to explain borderline personality disorder to medical students that I thought of Anakin, end quote. Bowie's letter to the editor, titled, Is Anakin Skywalker Suffering from Borderline Personality Disorder, even appears in an issue of the Journal of Psychiatry Research. Anakin Skywalker hits six out of the nine BPD criteria as defined by the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, 4th edition. He only needs to meet five criteria to qualify as suffering from the disorder. Let's dive deeper into some of Darth Vader's BPD traits. The future Darth Vader showed both impulsivity and anger management issues as an overexcited, lovelorn Jedi. He went back and forth between idealizing and devaluing Jedi mentors such as the humorless young Obi-Wan Kenobi. Abandonment issues also surfaced. Anakin had a permanent fear of losing his wife, Padme Amidala, and he went so far as to betray his Jedi mentors and companions to try to prevent her death. Two displays of dissociative episodes took place when Skywalker tried to distance himself from stressful events. The first episode took place after he slaughtered a local tribe of Tuscans responsible for his mother's death, and a second episode occurred following his murderous rampage among young Jedi trainees as he voiced paranoid thoughts about Obi-Wan Kenobi and his wife. Lastly, any Star Wars fan would recognize Skywalker's identity issues and uncertainty about who he was. His fateful turn to the dark side and change of name to Darth Vader could represent the ultimate sign of such identity disturbance, the researchers said. The future Darth Vader would also still qualify as a, quote, borderline type under the revised guidelines of the DSM-5, which will serve as the new Bible for psychiatry. Quote, from what we know of the future DSM-5, Anakin is a good to very good match to the future BPD. Both Eric Bowie and Rachel Rogers have continued to use the Star Wars example to teach their students for the past few years and noted that such a famous fictional example is great for spreading awareness. The two researchers also suggested that the success of the Star Wars prequel films might partially rely upon how teens can relate to the troubled Anakin Skywalker. Only adults can be diagnosed with BPD under the current DSM guidelines, but Bui and Rogers pointed to several studies that suggest the disorder is fairly frequent among teenagers. 
Either way, the situation in Star Wars prequels seems clear to Bowie. He pointed out that the Emperor's dark and destabilizing influence upon a young Skywalker might have even exacerbated the symptoms of borderline personality disorder. But like any good doctor, Bowie also has a treatment recommendation. Quote, I believe that psychotherapy would have helped Anakin and might have prevented him from turning to the dark side. Using the dark side of the force could be considered as similar to drug use. It feels really good when you use it, but it alters your consciousness and you know you shouldn't do it. End quote. I gained a keen empathy for Anakin Skywalker as I conducted this research. I think many of us can see ourselves in Darth Vader. We see so many people who make quote-unquote bad choices with drugs, alcohol, abuse, and then are forced to live with it. People can become stuck in vicious cycles of mental illness, addictions, post-traumatic stress, and abusive relationships. Sometimes all we need to find a way out is for someone to reach out a hand, to connect with them on a human level, as Luke Skywalker does with Darth Vader. The sheer hopelessness of a character and lost soul like Darth Vader can resonate with so many of us in the real world. Even if our stakes are not so high or the tragedies are not so great as those that Anakin Skywalker faced, everyone can relate to the journey. There's so much value in sharing our own light during another's dark times. It's my hope that this breakdown will allow someone to develop a deeper understanding of BPD through a unique lens. I will continue periodically analyzing celebrities, fictional, literary characters as a way to better educate us on borderline personality disorder. So that's it for today. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for putting up with my butchering of Star Wars names and terminology. If you are a fan, I humbly, humbly apologize. I did my very best. With that, I'll see you guys next time. All right, you messy, amazing, emotional, fabulous human beings doing this life thing. That is it for today's episode. I want to thank you so much for listening because out of all the millions, billions of podcasts in the world, you chose to listen to mine. And that means a lot to me. And if you listen this far, I know you never want to miss a new episode. So to make sure that doesn't happen, click follow in your podcast player of choice and you will be alerted every time I drop a new one. To help me grow and help the podcast reach as many people as possible, go ahead and leave an honest rating and review. Not only that, I love to hear your feedback, so please share it with me. I read every single review, and you just might hear it read out loud on the podcast. To connect with me directly, follow me on social media and keep up with all the new updates. You can find that all at backfromtheborderline.com. And as always, any articles, resources, or other helpful information you've heard today can be found in the description of this podcast episode. So don't forget to check out the show notes. And until we meet again, remember, life is a circle, a cycle, a process, separation, initiation, 
return. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Back from the Borderline. If you'd like to receive my monthly written recovery musings via Substack directly to your inbox, send me a voicemail, join the Patreon community, or check out my Amazon booklist recommendations, visit backfromtheborderline.com and click to access my link tree.